0: Grace Fellowship Church, it's Ryan Zellner, and I'm here to welcome you today. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you, and in light of last week, I wanted to spend my section spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. And I think that the time that we are in right now has been longer than we've expected, and so I do not want you to grow weary. In fact, I want you to take a moment to recognize that that God is in this time and Jesus cares about how you spend this time and I don't mean just your Sundays I mean every day of the week uh, if you find yourself back at work or stuck at home in your neighborhood Jesus cares about what we are doing and what we are thinking and what we're acting upon and so I've been convicted uh, this week where I have been in this kind of mindset where I've been bummed out on all the cancellations and the things that I can't do. Um, And then I had a mindset switch this week that focused on this is a unique opportunity. And so my mind has now switched to what can I do and how can we pivot? And what are the unique opportunities that Jesus would have for me in this season no matter how long and so i'm settling in it's renewed my mind in that way and i'm excited to uh, see what god has for me and then i was convicted Um, i was reading in ezekiel which everybody reads in ezekiel of course but i was in uh, 34 4 and the context of this is that israel has been scattered and um, and god is talking through ezekiel to the shepherds of israel and he says this you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost you have ruled them harsh and brutally and so as a shepherd i read that and just got convicted and i want to make sure that we are all thinking on the same page that we would be looking to strengthen the weak we'd be looking to heal the sick bind up the injured that we would be looking for strays and searching for the lost during this time. That we would rule or we would lead not harshly, but with love and kindness. And so that's my encouragement for you today. And I pray that um, your mind is also encouraged and refocused on this is a unique opportunity in a unique season uh, to lead with love and to lead with grace. And that's what we wanna do as a community, uh, not only within each other, loving each other, but also. Uh, For those um, around us uh, to set the example and lead in the example that Christ has set for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to take this moment to recognize that we have been weary in this season and the season has drawn on far longer than we've expected. God, renew our hearts, renew our minds, give us fresh ideas and purposes for this. Knowing that you were with us and you were leading, God, may we rely upon your spirit and your strength and your word and your promises during this season, God, that we would move forward with purpose and love and grace and the truth, God. That we would have smiles wherever we go, whether people could see them or not. Um, We would trust that you would communicate through us the love of your son, Jesus. God, we love you, and we serve you, and we look forward to this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: How are your hearts? How are your minds? How are your spirits? With all that's going on around us right now, it's hard sometimes to even remember what we're worried about. It's hard to remember what we're supposed to be thinking about. And for a lot of you, you probably feel like I do. A lot of the time, I just feel like I'm the only one feeling these things. I'm the one who feels this by myself. It's not true, of course, but it feels that way, and it's hard, it's challenging. Jesus, and this is the good news, says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what he says. So we can actually come to him now. Let's do that together. Singing about the goodness of our God. Would you do that with us? Taste and see.
2: Taste and see. That the Lord is good Oh, blessed is He Who hides in Him Oh, fear the Lord All of you saints He'll give you everything He'll give you everything
3: So today we'll be looking at a passage in Ephesians that challenges us to consider how we speak to one another. So this is Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This summer, we are considering the one another's of scripture. And we're doing that because we feel like this topic is front and center to this moment as we experience so much division in our nation, and as we're separated physically from one another more than usual, we thought it's so important to remind ourselves of how we are to engage one another, that we're to love one another, that we're to encourage one another, that we're to move towards one another in these times. And so this week, our one another is found in verse 19 where Paul encourages us to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. we're actually gonna take the next two weeks to talk about our speech towards one another. And I want us to be thinking broadly about our speech, not just the words that come out of our mouths, but our communication in general, speech that comes via text or tweet or post or email or any form of communication. And I just wanna acknowledge the obvious that we are living in this moment where the wake of people's words is leaving us in a place of division, and anger and judgment and self-righteousness. And so the question is, how do we as Jesus followers engage in speech in a time like this, with one another and even with the world? So here's what I'd like to do today. First, I wanna look at the kind of speech that we're being invited into in Ephesians. And then I wanna talk about the deep connection between our speech and our inner life. And then finally, I just wanna remind us of the power of our words to one another. All right, so first let's look at the kind of speech we're being invited into in Ephesians. Again, Paul says in verse 19 that we are to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So he mentions these three different kinds of things, and I don't think we need to get real detail on the difference, but he seems to be talking about Old Testament psalms. He's probably referring to Uh, songs of praise written in the early church. So all of these things would be songs or poems that rejoice in the character of God, that rejoice in the purposes of God, that, that help us fix our eyes on God's goodness and His faithfulness and His sovereignty and His grace in our lives. And so Paul could be meaning narrowly when you gather in corporate worship that you are to sing these kinds of songs, but he actually uses the word speak to one another with these kinds of songs. So I I assume he is speaking more generally just about how we communicate with one another, that we are to communicate in in ways that are consistent with these kinds of psalms and hymns, meaning we're to be constantly reminding one another of God's goodness, of His grace in our lives, of His faithfulness. We're to to encourage one another with our speaking. That's what our speech to one another is to be like. And I think it's really helpful to pair this verse in chapter 5 with a verse in chapter 4. And so i want to read to you uh, Ephesians 4.29, and we'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. There Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So let me just keep that up for a second. Paul's encouraging us to engage and speak that, on the one hand, is not unwholesome, but instead does two things. First, it builds people up. I assume that means it strengthens their faith, it encourages them. And it also then secondly, benefits them. That is, it's not speech that harms them. And it's not speech that's just empty, but it's actually substantive and beneficial and helpful for them. So as you look at this verse, I think it becomes really clear uh, pretty quickly that there are certain kinds of speech that Christians suggest avoid outright, right? Any kind of speech that is crude or crass is out of line. Any kind of speech that is is just empty and vacuous of much substance, or speech that is unnecessarily fatalistic, certainly any kind of gossip, or speech that is overly critical and judgmental or demeaning, or even I think speech that is prideful and is all about ourselves. And I think what we are to engage instead is speech that is always God-glorifying that is substantive, that is grace-filled, that is hopeful, that is joyful, that is encouraging. Let me just stop there for a second. And as you look at this verse, I mean, just take this verse in. And I just want to acknowledge, I don't feel like this topic actually requires a lot of commentary or teaching from me. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear what we're called to do. It really just requires us to honestly just sit with verses like this and feel the full force of them and sit with the Lord with these things and ask him to move us towards speech that is in line with this. And we'll actually have an opportunity to do that in a couple minutes. But before we do, let me go on to the the other two points. So first, we're invited into a certain kind of speaking. Secondly, I want to note the deep connection between our speaking and our inner life, between what we say and what's going on inside. In our passage today, that comes out in verse 18, where we find out that the main command in this passage is actually be filled with the Spirit. So Paul gives us that command, and then he follows that with four participles that all give you examples of what Spirit-filled living looks like practically. So the first one is speaking to one another. Uh, The next one is singing and making music in your hearts. Thirdly, giving thanks to God. and Then fourth, submitting to one another. All of these are examples of what Spirit-filled living looks like. All that to say, life-giving speech is just a natural overflow of a life, an inner life that is filled with the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, there are certain ways you just naturally talk. And I think Paul's parallel with wine in this passage is really helpful. In verse 18, he says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's saying when you are filled inside with wine, when you are under the influence of too much alcohol, there are things you just naturally tend to do, which he describes as debauchery. But when you're filled with the spirit on the inside, when you're under the influence of the spirit, there are certain kinds of things that just naturally come out of your mouth. There are certain things that don't naturally come out of your mouth. Paul makes the exact same point in chapter four In in verse 29, when we look at that verse where he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, the very next verse in verse 30 says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's saying when you speak in that unwholesome way, you are grieving the Spirit. You're doing something that is not in line with His desires and His values. And so you're revealing that you are not actually filled with the Spirit, or at least you're not working under His influence in that moment when you speak that way. Jesus Himself leaves us with that same connection between what's going on on the inside and what we speak in Matthew 12, 34 when He says, "'Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks.'" Right, speech is just an overflow of what's going on inside. All that to say, whether we like to admit it or not, there is this deep connection between our speech and our inner life. And I actually think that's super helpful because it, it can bring great clarity to our lives. I mean, I think a lot of us wonder sometimes, like, am I living a Spirit-filled life? Like, am I really, you know, filled with the Spirit and living the way God wants? Well, all I have to do is just consider my speaking. That is a great litmus test for what's going on inside. I mean, if I'm regularly speaking ways that are crass, or judgmental, or, or gossipy, or whatever, um, I don't have to wonder. Like, that is not the Spirit at work in my heart. That is, that is the sinful nature. That is the flesh. And when I am speaking in ways that are encouraging, that are life-giving, I know, oh yeah, the Spirit is at work inside. All that to say, there is this deep connection between our speaking and between the inner life. And then finally, the last thing, I just want to, again, this is such a by-wave reminder, but I want to remind us of the power of our words. That every day, we have the ability to really impact people by what we say to them. And I was reminded this week that our God is a God of the Word. I mean, God's Word is powerful. In the whole creation account, we learn that God created the world simply by speaking. He could have done it any way he wanted to, but he did it through his word, that his words have the power literally to bring things into existence. And so in the Christian faith, we give great value to the word. And as God's image bears, we are the only other creatures who can speak, who can use words like he does. And our words can have the power to shape reality, not in the same way that gods do, but in the way that that we can really impact the nature of another person's experience of life. Our words have a lot of power. It's such a powerful thing. And, And I love, I mean, it's such a powerful thing to see words used for good. Like, I love seeing a genuine moment of affirmation When somebody notices something in someone else, they pay attention, they see it, and then they actually name it. They speak it out loud and how encouraging that can be to a person who's affirmed. Or just general words of encouragement. When someone's discouraged, when they're down, to be able to speak words of hope and encouragement can make a huge impact on a person's life. I think to offer a word of forgiveness and grace is one of the most powerful things we can do when someone has hurt us. So words have such power to be used for good in this world in this world. And of course the opposite's true too, right? Um, we can bless with our words, but we can also curse with our words. And it is a very powerful thing to speak words of criticism or judgmentalism or condemnation or gossip to image bears. And, you know, some of us have spent a lot of years trying to get over words that were spoken to us at some point in our lives. All that to say, our words have power. And so in light of that, I want to leave you with an image this morning as you consider your words to others. And uh, this week I had the opportunity to be on a lake for for an afternoon. And so I, I was reminded of this image, but I was on this lake and I was watching these ski boats move by and they've got you know, these motor boats going by and they leave this, this wake, right? These, these waves that have this ripple effect and they eventually get out to the shore. And so I, I wanna use that image of a wake and ask you to consider what, what is the wake of your words? You know, in the analogy, you're like this boat and your, your mouth is like this motor, right? And you're, you're, you're pouring out words all day long and you just keep moving But your words leave a wake behind you in people's lives. And so the question is, what is the wake of your words? So for example, um, you're having a heated conversation with your spouse or with your child or with a friend and you are speaking words into the situation. And then at some point you're going to leave the room, you're going to leave their presence, but your words will leave a wake in their hearts and minds. What is the wake you're leaving? Or you're talking to another fellow believer about this this current moment we're in, and there's a lot of things that you want to say, and maybe you should say them, and you want to say them, but you want to ask the question, what will be the wake of these words? What's my goal? What am I wanting to leave this person with? Are these life-giving words? Are these discouraging words? Are these hopeful words? So that's the question. How can I use my words so that when I'm gone from the moment, people are left in this wake of encouragement, of truth, of grace, of hope, and of joy? And again, in this current moment, I mean, to use the lake analogy, the, the wakes out there right now are this, we are living in a sea that is tumultuous and it is it is stirred up. Waves are crashing against each other. And there's all sorts of collateral damage going on. And so the question is, how can we as followers of Jesus offer something that is different to one another and to the world? Well, good morning, friends.
1: You know, how we govern our speech as Christians is so important. And though we all would acknowledge this truth. To what extent are we actually reflecting on this issue for ourselves with faithful discernment? This work goes far beyond just avoiding profane speech, but really comes down to the question, is what we're saying really helpful? Is it building up those around us? And there are so many dynamics and aspects to this that we need to be mindful of in our discernment of these things, not just the content of our speech, but our timing and tone and spirit. And are we awake to what's underneath what we say? Because we know what flows from our mouths flows from our hearts. And since our speech is really a heart thing, our efforts to change ourselves apart from the Spirit of God transforming us will be in vain, or at least very shallow. So let's invite him into this process to search us and to reveal to us what we need to see, what we need to change, and that he might lead us to repentance and a transformed heart that will produce the kind of speech that would be pleasing to him. So let's take some time right now to consider the last two verses of Psalm 139 and make this our prayer in this regard. Father, search us. Reveal to us our ways of speech that are not pleasing to you and not helpful to those around us. And whatever it is that is underneath those things, perhaps frustration, impatience, self-righteousness, anger, pride, whatever it is, we ask that you do business there to soften us and heal us and make us more like Jesus. We can't do this, but you, O Lord, can. So we call upon you to help us that we might be people whose speech is a blessing to all who we are in contact with. For the building up of your church and as a witness for Christ to the world, and for the glory of your name. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Sing
2: with us. with the words of my mouth Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we hope this has been an encouragement to you and we invite you to engage the questions that we provided for you
3: immediately following this. And let us leave you with this benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Amen. Amen.